so maybe we could say even if we want to take the the fullest Rasic implications present underlying the Bhagavad Gita, you could say, okay, Krishna in the Bhagavad Gita is trying to reciprocate to do, to all the Gitas that were sung to him by the gopis and so many other devotees in the in the Bhagavatam, because the Bhagavad Gita comes again chronologically after that. So yeah, Bhagavad Gita is the song of Bhagavan, but also <clears throat> Srimad Bhagavatam is in itself a whole song in itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, divided in different cantos. Interestingly, in Spanish canto means song also. So we could divide the Bhagavatam in songs. And each one of these cantos have different different songs. Apart from the six songs of the Gopis, there are many other ones which appear before the tenth canto and which will, like, if you will, grow exponentially regarding their the intimacy of their content. For example, in the fourth canto, 24th chapter, there is Rudra Gita, which is the song of Lord Shiva, Rudra. So there is one Gita also. I mean, these names have been given by different acharyas. It's not that necessarily every chapter of the Bhagavatam containing these songs is called like that, but different acharyas have given these names. Mahishi Gita, for example, also in the last chapter of the 10th canto, which is the song of the uh, Mahishis, or the queens of, of Dwarka, expressing their, their love for Krishna. Then we have in the 11th canto, the famous Udav Gita, which is almost the whole 11th canto, basically, <laughs> uh, when Krishna is instructing Udav, which is kind of a parallel with the Bhagavad Gita that Krishna speaks to Arjun. He speaks to almost the same Bhagavad Gita to Udav, but in... in Gyan-like language, if you will. He's not speaking to a Kshatriya at that moment. Although sometimes some other Acharyas consider as the Uddhav Gita six last prayers or verses that Uddhav recites before leaving Vrindavan. We, we share those in the Brahman Gita. Those come in the 10th canto. So then also in the 11th canto there are some other Gitas, the Bhikshu Gita or the song of the Avanti Brahman, sometimes also known as that. We have the Aila Gita or the song of Pururav in the 11th canto. And in the 12th canto we also find another Gita called the Bhumi Gita or the song of Bhumi or Mother Earth. So these are another Gitas outside of the 10th canto of the Bhagavatam. But we see how many Gitas are here and there. All, all, all throughout the, the Srimad Bhagavatam. But here we want to concentrate on, on the Gitas that we find mostly in the 10th canto, which, of which six are prominent. All of these sung by the gopis again, and the very first of them, the one who are, we are starting to study today, the Benu Gita. Mm-hmm. Of course, these six Gitas are intimately connected to what Mahaprabhu came to give, and to what the Gaudiya Sampradaya is all about, which is Braja Prem and Raga Bhakti, or the type, the unique type of love that we will find in Vrindavan for Sri Krishna. A very unique psychology in which their love for Krishna is not dependent on the fact that Krishna is, for example, God, which is a very unique feature of, of the Braj. Whenever the Vrajavas are faced with the, with the news that Krishna is God or maybe God, their love is not increasing because of that. 
and whenever they're faced with the idea that actually Krishna is not God, which is mostly most of the moments there, their love for Krishna is not decreasing because of that. <laughs> so their love is not increasing nor decreasing at any moment because of the fact that Krishna may be or may be not God. But it's only increasing, because it's increasing. It's not decreasing, but it's always increasing. But never because of the fact that Krishna is God or something like that. But just because Krishna is Krishna, basically. He's who he is. So I am Bhagavan. But not so much the word Bhagavan is coming there. But so I am. Like, as he is, basically. No? If we have Bhagavad Gita cities, we have Krishna as he is. No? So that's the... The, the Krishna edition in Brindavan, if you will. <laughs> so, so Mahaprabhu came to give that to the world, Premarasana Iriyasana, Kurita Ashrodan, Raga Marga Bhakti Loki, Kurita Pracharam. He came to taste, as we know, something very unique, very particular, Krishna in the mood of Radha. And he came to extend as much as possible uh, his own experience, or, or whatever may be the closest to his own experience and more, through a particular process called the Raga Mark, or the path of um, following in the wake of the inhabitants of Raj. So this this Gita this Gita that we will be studying has all to do with this, with the mood of the Brajavasis. Are we trying to imbibe bhakti samskars by getting closer to their expression through the lens of our acharyas, our Goswamis? who are themselves inhabitants, members of that select group, and by whose grace we can get closer and closer to what does it really mean to be an, an inhabitant of Raj. So, this has, again, all to do with what Mahaprabhu is about. The Gaudiya Sampradaya establishes this point very clearly. There is a famous, like, nutshell-like description of what our Gaudiya Sampraya is about, presented in one verse by Srinath Chakravarti. He says, Aradhyo Bhagavan Prajesatanaya Staddhama Brindavanam Ramya Kachidupasana Brajabadu Bargena Bhakalpitam Srimad Bhagavatam Pramanamamalam Prima Pumartu Maham Shri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu Matamidam Tatradhara Napara. So basically, <clears throat> this verse is saying, Aradhyo Bhagavam Prajesatanayasta Dhamma Vrindavanam. The supreme object of worship, according to Mahaprabhu, is Krishna in Vrindavan. Not any Krishna, but Krishna in Vrindavan. He, along with his playground, with the stage for a particular lila, and in particular, loving expression connected to that stage. So that's to begin with, no? which is the goal to attain, which is the corresponding face of the Absolute, with its corresponding abode, with the corresponding bhav accompanying all that. So that's what Mahaprabhu is coming to give. Ramya kachi dupasana pradavadur bargina bhakalpita. And the ultimate emotional reach of that love of Vrindavan is found in the Damsels of Vrindavan or the Brajagopikas. So Mahaprabhu is extolling their glories through, the, through his own example, especially the position of Srirada, Krishna himself trying to, to be her and to spread her 
the good tidings of Radhavab. <laughs> and then how to do that, which is the means for us to to get closer to that world and to that uh, portal, if you will, Srimad Bhagavatam Pramanamamalam Primakmartamaham. So Srimad Bhagavatam is the Amalat Pramanam or the Immaculate um, Epistemic Source of Revelation, something like this. The Immaculate, the purest form through which we can get to know about this love of Vrindavan. So here we are there. And that will show us Prem Pumartamaham, how Prem or Divine Love is the ultimate necessity, the ultimate meaning or purpose for human life. Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu Matamidam Tatradhanapada. So Mahaprabhu is coming to give this, this current, this conception, this notion of God. So all this has to do with Braja Bhakti, Raga Bhakti, and what the Bhagavatam is about. So Srila Rupa Goswami, for example, when he describes what's Raga Nuga Bhakti about in his Bhaktira Samrita Sindhu, he basically said that Raga, Raga Nuga Bhakti Sadhana, or some like systematic culture of, 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 of the path, if you will, has to do when one has some uh, specific type of desire to follow in the footsteps of the Brajabhasis. In the beginning, that may be generic. I may like to follow the mood of Vrindavan, but eventually it has to become even more. I mean, that's already quite specific in comparison to other theistic opportunities, as we spoke these days. But then it will go, okay, but which associate in Vrindavan? The personification of which type of love for Krishna and so on? And of course, one will ask how that will come out in me, or maybe it's inherent, who knows? <laughs> no. So, Srila Rupa Goswami is saying, actually, by exposing yourself to hear, hmm, to speak about, to study hmm, the narrations and the, and the emotional disposition of each one of these inhabitants through Shastras like Srimad Bhagavatam mostly, gradually one will receive the specific bhakti samskars or devotional impressions that will take one to be inclined in one direction or another. And of course we will add to that not only Srimad Bhagavatam but the books of the Goswamis which are all of them written on the basis of the Bhagavatam. If you pay attention to each and every single book of the six Goswamis they are nothing but elaborations of what the Bhagavatam is about. They are like extending the portal, if you will, making a sub-portal inside the portal, and all of them revolve around the Bhagavatam. Sandarvas, we have Bhagavatam, Brita, Bhaktirasam, Brita, Sindhu, commentaries on the Bhagavatam, and so on. So, <clears throat> and Srila Jiva Goswami in particular said, yeah, you have to listen Bhagavatam to enter into the Ragamark, but especially 10th Canto. Because again, Ragamark is about Vrindavan. And Vrindavan in, in the Bhagavatam will be found in, in, in its tenth canto, its zenith, basically, hmm? where the sweet love, the activities of the people of Braj are very beautifully, transcendentally depicted. Hmm? So, <clears throat> so again, in this Bhagavatam is where, in this tenth canto of the Bhagavatam is where we find these six songs, and we, today we will be beginning with the first of that the Benu Gita. So Benu Gita will be basically the 21st chapter 
of the tenth canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam. The whole chapter is the Benugita, basically. Hmm? So I hope we will have time to see Benugita and, and also Pranaya Gita, which will be the second of the six songs. That's on the 29th canto. It's already in the Rasa Panchadhyay section. And let's see what we do with the other ones. We already saw two of them. Hmm? So again, Srimad Bhagavatam, as we know, is the topmost uh, sweetest fruit of the tree of Vedic knowledge, Nigama Kalpataror Galitam Phalam, or it's the very <coughs> essence, Sarva Vedanta Saram, the very essence of all Vedic literature. But these Gitas, it say that if, if the Bhagavatam is considered like the cream of all Vedic literature, I don't know, these Gopi Gitas are like the burphy. Of the of the Bhagavatam, basically. You know? So out of the cream, you can still distill further essence. So today we will begin then with with the first of these songs again, which is the Gopi Gita. Today will be an introductory lecture to the to the Benu Gita. Sorry, not Gopi Gita. And from tomorrow on, we will continue with with the first verse and so on. There are like 20, 21 verses, if I'm not mistaken. But to begin with. Uh, <clears throat> some words about the, the, the idea of Benu, since it, the song is Benu Gita, so Benu really is translated as flute. Mm -hmm. So I, I won't enter into too much technicality now here at this point, describing like the different types of flute and different sub possibilities inside each division of flutes, because all that is there also <laughs> in Shastra. Basically, Krishna is described having three types of flute, Murli, Bamsi, and Benu. Different sizes are to them. Even they are, they're maybe made with different materials, like bamboo, or like uh, gems, precious, pre pre precious, precious stones, and, and so on. But also, Benu is like a generic way of referring to Krishna's flute. And, and, and the flute has to do with many things, as, as we know. Of course, in Shastra we will hear that the famous Omkar, Pranav Omkar, has to do with the flute. Actually, it's non-different from, from this I mean, this sacred divine syllable. It's non-different from Krishna's flute call, which further expands into Sri Gayatri, which are all these like most sacred prototype of Vedic invocation. So all this has its background, underlying background, Krishna's flute call, <clears throat> which, as we know, in, in Gorlila, expresses in the form of stream Ridanga. But again, be, beyond the technicality of it, the flute has to do with the call, a flute call. It's Krishna pouring his heart through, through sound, basically. Sometimes uh, this is called also Adharamritam. That's called like this in the Gopi Gita, Adharamritam. In many places, the, the word Adar, Adharamritam is the nectar of the lips, which of course... <coughs> can have different applications. For example, Mahaprasad, when we honor Mahaprasad, we are tasting other Amritam. This is to say that when Mahaprabhu was honoring Jagannath Prasad in Puri, he actually was able to taste the saliva of Jagannath. So that's to honor Mahaprasad, I can tell you. <laughs> it's not that there's no salt, there's no sugar. He was in another dimension of tasting. So he was tasting the nectar of the lips of Krishna. Of course, gopis will taste that when Krishna is kissing them as well. 
But also one form of getting in touch with other Amritan is Benu Gita. When Krishna is singing through his flute, the nectar of his lips is being the nectar of his heart is transpassing through his lips and thus it's pouring through the holes of the flute and spreading through the whole branch, orchestrating all the different dynamics there. So when we speak about the flute, we speak about the flute call. Our Guru Maharaj likes the expression also clarion call in, 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 in connection with this, like this call for for everyone to, to, to fully give themselves without uh, too much head, basically too much consideration in, in a calculated way, but following our most dignified instinct, if you will, as, as atmas and our potential in connection to that. Actually, the very conclusion of the Gita, we were speaking about the other Gita, for a moment let's go from Benu Gita to Bhagavad Gita, What's the conclusion of the Bhagavad Gita? You tell me. Give me a break, please. Sarvadharma Paritya Jha. Also 1866, where Krishna is saying, basically, what? Leave all Dharma behind and just Mamekam Sharanam Praja. Just take exclusive shelter in me and come to me and come to me with the word Braj, which means come, also can be taken in its most natural way of understanding it, which is come to me into Braj. So, so that's considered the conclusion of the Gita, and Sri Prabhupada Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur will call this verse also the flute call of Krishna. He's not with the flute there in, 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 in Kurukshetra, he has another paraphernalia around him, but the spirit of, of the verse, the ultimate application of the verse, as our Acharya even explained, that verse is, is only speaking about Rajabhav and Gopibhav ultimately. So, so the flute call is this verse of the Gita. So the, the conclusion of the Bhagavad Gita concludes in the flute call. The Bhagavad Gita concludes in the flute call. So in one way, the Bhagavad Gita is concluding in the Beno Gita. <laughs> no? Because the flute call means the song of the flute. So here we find the song of the flute. No? The very, as, we, and as we know, where the Gita concludes, the Bhagavatam is, is developing upon that. Hmm? So, so this flute call, of course, again, it's not just a flute. It's not just a flute call. Because everyone can play a flute and can call someone else through a flute. But which is the nature of the call, basically. That's what makes the flute call special, the flute call a clarion call, and, and the flute call the conclusion of the Gita. And that's what makes the flute, with its call, with its song, uh, one of the defining attributes of Krishna as the Supreme Personality of Godhead, interestingly. Because Rupa Goswami, one of the, of one of the different ways we can present Krishna as the most, um, how to say, the most refined and the more, yeah, loving expression of the Absolute is by these different qualities that Rupa Goswami mentioned in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. He makes a list of 64 qualities Krishna has in Vrindavan. How some, some of them is present in living entities only to a certain degree. Some of them are present on a higher degree, on higher beings, 
some of them are even present, more of them, in some avatars of Bhagavan, including even Narayan and so on. But there are four of them which are not present even in other forms of Krishna outside of Vrindavan. So those four qualities are the ones that... It's a way of saying how to establish Krishna's ultimacy, supremacy. Okay, you have Prem Madhurya, you have Rupa Madhurya, you have... Um, no, that's for the last. Say Guna Madhurya. No, Lila Madhurya. Yeah, Lila Madhurya, Rupa Madhurya, Prema Madhurya, and Ben Madhurya. So again, we go to the flute. A particular type of flute. Again, Ben Madhurya. The word Madhurya is repeated in these four qualities. Again, Rupa Madhurya means he has a form. I wouldn't say a sweet form. He has... He is a form of sweetness, basically. It's not that his form is sweet. <laughs> but sweetness has taken a form, and that's what we call Krishna, as Guru Maharaj will say, form of beauty. So he, he, his form is not sweet, but he is the form of sweetness, which is an, another level of speaking. <laughs> so Rupa Madhurya, Pem Madhurya, huh? Huh? sweet love, He's made of that again. He, he's not that he only has love for someone, but he's made of, he's carved out of Prem Madhuri. He's, the, as I like to say, Krishna is the byproduct of the love of his devotees. Now, there is certain Prem there, the Absolute is taking particular shape, like with the chisel of, of their Prem, basically. And then we have, uh, what else? Lila Madhurya, which is very close to Prem Madhurya, because Lila means the, the Prem-like interaction between he and his devotees. So he has very sweet Lila, very sweet pastimes, which you don't hear about any other form of Bhagavan, and Benu Madhurya. He has a very sweet flute, or again, a flute through which he who is sweetness personified expresses himself. We could say from that side as well, like like Balabhacharya is doing in his famous Madhurastakam. I don't know if you have heard that one. If you have diabetes, I wouldn't recommend you sing that song. <laughs> you may die. <laughs> because <laughs> Madhuram, 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 Madhuram. He, he starts to glorify Krishna on all his features, and for each feature, everything about you is sweet, basically, he's saying. Madhuradi, Pate, Akilam, Madhuram. You are the very form of sweetness, your remnants are sweet, your gopas are sweet, your gopis is sweet, your flute is sweet, and everything, he pronounces everything, and immediately Madhuram, and immediately Madhuram. And at the end, he starts to say, Madhuram, 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 Madhuram. He, 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 he just converges into this idea, he cannot use another word to depict what Krishna is about, basically. It's Madhuram, full, full, full of sweetness. <coughs> So again, this flute is one of the four defining qualities that make Krishna Stu Bhagavan Sayan, Sayan Bhagavan. No? He's the supreme personality of Godhead because of his flute, you could say. <laughs> because of his Benu Gita. You take out the Benu Gita, you don't no longer have Sayan Bhagavan there. Mm? So these, among other unique qualities, are present in him. Mm? So this Benu Madhurya is establishing the ultimacy of Braja Krishna. Basically, because Krishna outside of Vrindavan, he's not playing flute. He he does. He's not that inspired in Mathura and Dwarkas to be playing flute, as we know. So in Vrindavan, he's taking shelter in the flute because 
of a particular love that is there. Again, everything ultimately points to which type of love is there between him and his devotees, the Brajabhasas. Mm -hmm. So again, this Benu Gita, again, the Bhagavatam, before all these Gitas is saying, Krishna is to Bhagavan, so I am right at the beginning, which means Krishna is the original form of the Godhead. So how to elaborate upon that, how to explain that in detail, one of those ways is Benu Gita. Because again, this Benu Banduri is one of the features that make Bhagavan Swayam, Krishna Swayam Bhagavan. So Bhagavan says Krishna is to Bhagavan Swayam, and then it elaborates on, upon the, on the implications of that. One of these, Benu Gita. You pay attention what's the nature of his flute, and wow, you realize, yes, he must be Supreme Godhead. Also, <clears throat> and in, in this connection, again, speaking about the flute in connection to, 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 this, to the flute call and the love call that Krishna is expressing through that, we have this example that Srila Jiva Goswami is giving in the, <clears throat> in the Sandarvas regarding the, how do you say in English, whistling? That's whistling? Whistling. Okay. So someone may... With the ear, with the ear, air, with that element, you can try to make a sound, or without even doing that, you can like. But what about if you have a bamboo, you make some holes properly, you make it a bansuri or bamsi or flute, and you do the same. You pour the same air, but in in a particular container, it goes out very melodically. It's, it's the same air, but taking different forms. So Jiva Goswami makes this this contrast regarding what he calls Swarupananda and Swarup Shaktyananda. So what's the inherent bliss present in Bhagavan himself and how when that bliss expresses itself outside of him, if you will, <laughs> and takes a concrete form, concrete devotional form in the form of Irada, Lalita, Madhumangal, Sridam, all these personifications of Ragatmikas, forms of love, that becomes much more, more pleasing. In the same way we are speaking about the same thing by expressed in another, through another particular container, if you will. <clears throat> so, when the Swarupananda, or the inherent bliss that Krishna has in himself, expresses in relationship to his devotees, that creates a highest form of bliss even to himself, called Swarup Shaktyananda. So this call of the flute, which goes hand by hand with the example of Jiva Goswami, the flute call is higher than the whistling, has to do with Krishna expressing his love for his devotees and desperate calling each of them, come to me, please. We will see how the gopis uh, react to that, and how they see the reaction of the whole environment to, to the song of, of the flute, basically. So, again, this is an, another one of the reasons why Krishna is Swayam Bhagavan. Lila Madhurya, Prem Madhurya. He has a very unique sweet love which he expresses through the flute. And that's in connection to his devotees. So that's Lila, basically. So as I mentioned, <clears throat> this Benu Gita in particular, since it's the first of the six songs that we know of, mainly by the gopis in the 10th canto. All of them are expressed in the mood of separation, but since it's the first one, you may suspect which type of separation is depicted in the Benu Gita. What do you think? 
Yes, poor Barak. So, what's the meaning of that? I'm sorry for torturing you with so many new Sanskrit glossary. You ready for that? <laughs> but there are mainly four types, four types of separation, love in separation depicted in, in Shastra. And there is some chronology to them, at least concerning the first one, which is Purvarat. Then we have Man, Prabhas, and Prembachitya. But Purvarat has to be the first. Why? Because Purvarat means the separation that you feel from your beloved before officially having met your beloved. So, for sure, that has to be the first one, because the other three have to do with a separation that comes after union with your beloved. So, I will mention briefly each of these four. These are depicted along the six songs of the gopis. Now I won't mention in which song, which separation is. It's maybe too much for now. But, Benugita has to do with Purvarat, which means, again, Purva means like previous, basically. No? That attachment rag that comes previous to the first meeting where both parties acknowledge their love for one another, but they hear about other per the, the beloved, uh, or they see him, different possibilities are there. Rukmini is one famous example of Purvarag also. When she heard about uh, Krishna, she never saw him, but she heard about him. And she saw some drawings and paintings. There, were not, no, there was no Instagram at that time. <laughs> so he wasn't having any picture. But he heard, heard about, she heard about him, and that was enough, Purvarag. In the case of the gopis, they are seeing Krishna, as we will see on a daily basis, but uh, still it's not official first meeting, acknowledging, and so on. So that's Purvarag as well. They are totally in love with him, as we will see. And Benugi, the song of the flute, is just like throwing wood to the fire of their passionate love. And then we have Man, which is the, the separation which comes after two lovers quarrel with each other. There is some sulky mood in one of the two, and that creates some, some form of separation. Then it's uh, Pravas, which means there are different types of each one of them, as you may imagine. <laughs> Indians love subcategories. And Pravas means like residing far away. So by the force of circumstance and geographical distance, they, are not, they have not fought, fought, fought with one another, have not quarreled with one another, in this case, but just some physical distance that Krishna going to Mathura or whatever. And then we have Prem by Chitya, which is a very unique type of separation. Yesterday we mentioned that, which instead of being union in separation, is separation in union. When, for example, Sri Radha is right in front of Krishna, but somehow, I don't know, Again, the famous example is this one of the bumblebee coming and Madhu Mangal or someone else telling, oh, Madhu Sudan has gone. He, 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 take, he took the, the bumblebee somewhere else, but she thought Madhu Sudan has the name of Krishna. So, oh, Krishna has gone. And she falls into a swoon of separation while Krishna is just in front of her. <laughs> so that's Prem Chitya. But again, in this particular Benu Gita, we will uh, study... <clears throat> Purvarak. And in the successive five Gitas, the other three remaining types, forms of separation will will come. Because the second one after this one will be Pranaya Gita, which is already there's a first meeting between Krishna and the Gopis in Rasa Lila. So no more Purvarag there. This is the Purvarag 
song, if you will. <laughs> so, let's finish today by sharing some, some like little intro context to the Benu Gita, a little background to to the first, very first verse of the song, which we'll we we'll see tomorrow, so we can better understand this Purvarat. Because yeah, gopis are in love with Krishna, but what's the the nature and the dynamics of that love and the circumstances that take them to the point where the Benu Gita will start. Mm -hmm. And of course, needless to say, but Mahaprabhu himself used to relish this Benu Gita a lot in the Gambira with Ramananda Roy, with uh, Swarup Damodar. And uh, <clears throat> just for you to know, this, before giving the context, this Benu Gita will describe, will, will describe the gopis singing while hearing Krishna's flute at the distance during Purvan and Lila. So Purvan and Lila is one of the eight divisions of the day, which happens from 8.24 to 10.48 in the morning. So in that particular moment, which is when Krishna is leaving to the forest with his friends and the cows, and something like that, but the flute is what they are hearing, actually, mm -hmm. at that moment. <laughs> so... The, the gopis cannot join him again. They are at their homes, and Krishna is going with his, with their friends and cows, and they will lie. They are dying to join him, basically, or to meet him. And hearing the flute in the distance, so they start to sing and to express how they see the whole environment being affected by that particular uh, sound of the flute. So, what's the context? I, I, let me share you some ideas that Srila Jiva Goswami mentions in the in the Gopal Shampoo. For, for, for this series of lectures, we will mostly resort to, of course, to the commentaries by our Goswamis and many other Acharyas to, the, to this section of the Bhagavatam and also to books as Sri Gopal Shampoo, which is a commentary, if you will, or an extended expression of, of, of the 10th canto of the Bhagavatam. <clears throat> so in, in Sri Gopal Shampoo, Sri Lajiva Goswami mentioned that after the killing of Denukasur, Danukasur is the how do you say in English? As 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 demon. Sorry, donkey, donkey demon. Okay. So this this happens in the fifteenth <clears throat> chapter of the tenth canto. Remember, so Benugit is twenty-first chapter. So, and this is some chronology there. So after Krishna killing the Nukasur. It is said that the attraction of the gopis increased more and more, especially in the case, of course, of Sri Radha. She's having like uh, his like fits, like, like she's having swoons and losing consciousness and having spurtis of Krishna while she's like <clears throat> uh, fainting and so on. So all this before again first official meeting. There's no, there has not been official meeting till now. That will happen in the Rasa Lila. So that we have some section till till that. So it is say that that in this moment, no, all, again Radha and, and, and all the gopis are totally in love with Krishna, poor Bharat. And it is said that the parents of all the gopis in Braj, like intuitively, Jiva Goswami says, all of them decided. We will marry our our daughter with to Krishna. All, all, all the parents of all the ladies of Raj reached that same consensual unanimous conclusion without consulting with each other, of course. No, but <laughs> like an obvious natural no, converging point, no? they have to be married with 
with him. Hmm? I need to say that, interestingly, Nand and Jashoda, they had like in, internally this type of intuitive attraction, like all the girls of Braj should be married with Krishna also. <laughs> hmm? But especially Radha, they felt. Jiva Goswami mentions that Nanda Jasuda felt every lady in Braj should be married to our son. But if, if, if we cannot pick all of them, especially Sri Radha should be the one. Especially Sri Radha should be the one. So when, when, they're, when all the parents of Braj were about like to make that official, Garga Acharya comes into the scene, which is kind of the priest in Brindavan, and he suggests to each and every family. Actually, it's not the best option to marry your daughters to Krishna because according to Krishna's astrological chart, it appears there that he at one point will leave Vrindavan. And he will leave Vrindavan. And he starts like to, to, to give a, a vision of all the things that will happen. And this will happen with Kamsa. So if he goes out of Vrindavan and, 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 and Krishna will have been married with all, this, all the ladies in Vrindavan, basically... Kams eventually may come to Vrindavan to attack all those families and who knows what will happen in Vrindavan. So actually the arrangement should be done for all of you to, <clears throat> to marry your daughters to someone else. So eventually this news reached the, the Gopi's ears, which they already knew that their parents were thinking about marrying them to Krishna. So they were, of course, brimming with delight. We will be married with, to Krishna. <clears throat> but gradually, the news came, no, you will be married to someone else, with someone apart from Krishna. So it is said that all of them unanimously felt, without knowing that the other ones were thinking the same, <laughs> say, I mean, I will be married to someone else, my life has no purpose. I will just jump into Kaliya Ghat. At that point, Kaliya had not been chastised yet, so that side of the Jamuna was uh, poisoned. Poisoned? Yeah. yeah. Mm. So, to, to end with their life. So, each gopi from Vrindavan, you can imagine this scene, you know, leaving their house just like in, in trance in that direction and oh, every single gopi in Vrindavan without knowing that all the other ones were going and all of them <clears throat> see each other on the shores of the Jamuna just next to the Kaliya Lake and start to, 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 to understand what's, what's going on, how all of them were one in, in thought, one in, in, in hope and one in decision now. <laughs> so all of them started to cry you know, uncontrollably and try to give support to each other and so on, like fully empathic with the other gopis' hearts, basically. So it is said that Shirada was heading the whole group there. So she was leading the way, and all of them took themselves by hand, you know, like a long line of all the gopis of Vrindavan. You know, imagine the, the scene. And all of them marching you know, towards the Jamuna, just with one thought in mind, ready to jump, ready to live their lives. And praying to Sri Jamuna Devi, to, to the river, praying to the Devi, which presides over the river. <clears throat> May Sri Nandan Jasoda become our in-laws, May Krishna become our husband in our next life. And now we'll jump. Because no no meaning to continue with this life and so on. <clears throat> so they are about to jump, according to Jila Jiva Goswami in Gopal Temple. And an invisible 
boy from the sky comes, no? like, like usual, as usual. No? Which are, it describes the devas playing some role in the lila and telling the gopis, do not commit suicide, do not jump, do not end your life, please. No? Actually, <clears throat> you are wanting to leave your bodies because you are thinking that now your bodies will belong to someone else and some other man will uh, enter in contact with your bodies, but that won't happen, the voice is telling the gopis. It's impossible for you to associate with someone apart from Krishna. It's not possible for you, even though externally you may have husbands and in-laws and this and that, it's somehow it, it won't be possible for you to have any actual, real, direct, intimate contact with anyone apart from Krishna. No? So they, this is the idea of parakya, swakya starts to be unfolded here. No? Gopis are in parakya with Krishna, with parakya means belonging to someone else. But that's only the bhava. Hmm. We, you never hear the word parakya tattva. We always hear parakya bhava. In bhava they are in parakya. Bhava means how it feels. It feels I belong to someone else, but I'm I'm risking everything to meet Krishna. But it's bhava, it's how it feels. In tattva, it's not parakya. Because in tattva, in, 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 in facts, basically, in ontological truth, they can only belong to Krishna. So in tattva, they are in svakya, and in bhava, they are in parakya. And that's one of the ways we can explain why our Tattu Acharya, Jiva Goswami, always emphasized in Golok Vrindavan there is no Parakya, there is only Svakya. <laughs> but that's another chapter. So, <clears throat> so after this voice comes from the sky, protecting the gopis, nobody will touch you, you won't be associated with anyone else apart from Krishna. Three personalities appear into this scene. Purnamasi, Brindadevi and Madhumangal. All that you need for for make the proper arrangement for whatever needs to be happening to happen. No? All these divine orchestrators uh, in the Lila. No? Purnamasi, which is, who is Yoga Maya personified, coming to confirm, yes, that's a fact, you won't be touched by anyone. <laughs> Rinda Devi, which is an expansion of that same department, as a dutika, as a messenger, making all the arrangements. Madhumangal, who is an extension of them in the context of Sakya Rasa, basically, you know, being such a facilitator as, as a Priyanarma Sakya. To all of them appearing in scene, Jiva Goswami describes how at that moment Sri Radha is given Lalita Sakya and, 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 and Bishaka Devi as her personal friends and assistants to give support to her in this new stage of her life. And Brinda is, is assigned as a, assigned as a dutika, as a messenger who will orchestrate the whole lila, and Madhu Mangal offer himself to Krishna, like, I will, I belong to you, I will live with you, and he will be the one assisting. Uh, of course, Krishna was not there at that moment, but that would, will happen with Madhu Mangal, and he will start from that moment on living in, in, in a little bit before even, but in this precise moment, he's showing his role as a Priyanarma Saka, helping Krishna to, to, to cope with his Purvarag, because he also is experiencing Purvarag. It's not only the gopis are going through the separation before meeting, Krishna himself is doing that. So in this way, all the, all the characters of the Lila are entering into their particular roles for, for the eventual union to happen. All this is being like 
we will see how very expertly Jogamaya is, is creating like the momentum to that finally will converge into the the union of, of, of Radha and Krishna, the union of, of the gopis with with Raja Krishna. So but it's all gradual. And all the ingredients or all the characters of the Lila are crucial. We are not so much of the idea. We only care for gopis, we only care for this, we don't want to hear about that other rasa, but all of them are really instrumental for all of this to happen. So, eventually the gopis get married, at least most of them, with someone else, as we mentioned, <laughs> and listen externally as part of the organizing of, of, of Yoga Maya for the Lila. So, they are living generally in the, in the, in the, in the social dynamics of the Lila, when the girl is married, she goes to live to the to her house in English in laws, in laws house. So you can imagine for the gopis before being married to Krishna, but still not being able to meet him, their own houses were like prisons, because they were not able to freely meet him. So how if their previous houses were prisons, how must they feel now their in laws houses being married? To someone else, no. That's in, in even more. But of course, this Purnamasa's arrangement hmm, to increase their longing, and also Purnamasa's arrangement is gopis kind of do not have any type of intimate contact with their so-called husbands. Our church generally use that term, so-called husbands. <laughs> we need to have someone doing that role there, but there's actually no. You always hear, no, like. That Abhimanyu is always sleeping in the cow barn, and he has been gone to buy new bulls. He he's somehow or other there's always something happening for him never to be with with Radha in intimacy or something. <laughs> and of course, not only Jogamaya will create all these things, but she will, as we will see eventually, create replicas of the gopis which stay at home when they leave at night the house for meeting Krishna. So again, everything is perfectly in place and orchestrated. So it is in this particular context that the Benu Gita will be expressed. No? This is the point we are now. No? The gopis are, are 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 burning into the ocean of, of separation, which is another forest fire, basically. Sometimes samsara is called forest fire. <laughs> but they are going through another forest fire in separation from Krishna. This is another type of samsaras, we always say. Samsara means Samsara, complete essence, also Samsara. So they are in, in a particular forest fire like Samsara. <laughs> and as we will see, the only way they can find relief in the fire of separation is by hearing about Krishna, singing about Krishna, and associating with other like-minded people, which is basically exactly what we are trying to do in our particular Purvarak. Because we are in, maybe there's not that much rag, but <laughs> I don't know in my case at least, but if there is a particular separation we can experience from Krishna now, it's only Purvarat, because it's a separation before meeting Krishna for the first time, officially. And as we know, this separation, as we will see, has a lot of purposes. It's, a, it's, it's really uh, uh, Increasing the joy of union is allowing union to happen basically because if there is no separation, there is no union. If you are with someone forever without never separating, you, you, there is no union. 
because union means there has been something different from that before that. So you need separation for that as part of the dynamics of the Lila to upgrade the love between Krishna and his devotees. Hmm? And of course, part of this separation, and specifically in the context of Parakiyabhav, is the nature of the Parakiyabhav, which is to be a love full of obstacles. Hmm? Rupa Goswami describes Parakiyabhav as a love which is secret, which is um, like clandestine, you may say, <laughs> but especially which is full of obstacles. Imagine Sri Radha living in her house in Jabat. She's surrounded by the whole dysfunctional family, basically. If you pay, get a glimpse of, of Jatila, Kutila, and Abhimanju, you know, one is more dysfunctional than the other. No. Totally crooked and not trusting and creating all day different ideas and I mean, with good reason, <laughs> if you will. <laughs> but but there, she's always surrounded by people who is suspecting of her and never trusting her and, and wanting to increase their wealth and family and riches. And, and she has to go through all these obstacles on a daily basis to meet Krishna every single day. Mm-hmm. That, to say, that's why Mahaprabhu, he likes so much to, to hear when Mahaprabhu was here in the Bhagavatam in Jagannath Puri, give me please five more minutes, um, from Gadadhar Pandit, you may wonder, well, what will he hear? As you may wonder, when he instructed Raghunath Das Goswami, what did he say? He said, do not gossip. Oh, Mahaprabhu is here in Bhagavatam from Gadadhar, what, which most esoteric section is hearing. But the most sections we, we heard, he heard, was Dhruva Charit and Prahlad Charit. Fourth canto, seventh canto, nothing, tenth canto, for not nothing, something, but generally we hear he was hearing the pastimes of Dhruva Maharaj, the pastimes of Prahlad Maharaj, and he will hear them one time and he will ask another again. And second time, the same story, <laughs> Mahabharata said, again. And like this, 100 times, Prahlad Charit, and 108, and never enough. And, of course, there are many reasons why he was insisting in those sections. He may be teaching us first, before going to the most esoteric thing, you have to get, have the, the Santarasa foundation we spoke yesterday in place. <laughs> but also, in a more esoteric sense, we could say Mahaprabhu was so fond of those sections because he's Krishna culturing the mood of Radha. And the mood of Radha for Krishna is this parakya and this overcoming of obstacles and if you hear Prahlad Maharaj's life, that's full of obstacles. If you hear Dhruva Maharaj's life, that's a lot. There, he had to go through so many difficulties as well. So Mahaprabhu was hearing these stories, but relating them to what Radha has to go through on a daily basis in her parakya or Krishna. That's another way to understand why he was asking. And, and, and teaching us how the obstacles, quote-unquote obstacles, are not that, that, that much of an obstacle if you have the proper... I mean, if you have the proper stance, there's no obstacles. And if you want to still to speak in terms of obstacles, those obstacles are just acting like udipana or like stimulants. Mm-hmm. Like if you want to meet your beloved and you put some obstacles in the way, if you really want to meet your beloved, those obstacles will just like increase your longing. It's not like, oh, there's an obstacle, I don't want to meet my beloved. That means you didn't actually want to meet your love, <laughs> even before the obstacles <laughs> you thought you wanted. 
So we have so many stories like this. Now Goswami is wanting to join Mahaprabhu and Sanatan Goswami is going to jail. Raghun Das Goswami is in the jail of his house. Gopal Bhatta Goswami Mahaprabhu tells, wait that your father's passed away and then you can join me. He never saw him again. <laughs> I, I like this. So all so many quote-unquote obstacles. But their longing, their passionate desire was just increasing. So, so that's the idea. So many stories like this. Lokanath Goswami, Srinivasacharya, I mean, so many. Kunti Devi praying to Krishna, send me obstacles. <laughs> because through those obstacles, Bhavada, Apunar Bhavadarshana, she's saying, we can see you over and over again. You could take that prayer, famous prayer of Kunti Devi in that life. Krishna, please send me obstacles. Because the more the obstacles come, the more we take further shelter in you and our, our longing for you increases. So the more you, you, we see you, basically, in those obstacles. So if I see you in those obstacles, how much the obstacle remains an obstacle. <laughs> if an obstacle is revealing me Krishna, how much it deserves to be called an obstacle. And everything has the potential to reveal Krishna to us. So everything is a potential non-obstacle. <laughs> but if we are not properly situated, even the most comfortable situation is an obstacle because it's covering your vision from reality. Mm-hmm. So, basically, that idea. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow we will... Today we, I want to share this brief introduction and some context to the background, underlying background to, to this Purvarag that will be expressed in the Venugit. Um, and tomorrow we will begin officially with the first, maybe first four verses, which are kind of introductory to the to the scene, to the to the song in itself of the gopis with Krishna centering the forest and so on. Technically speaking, again, uh, there are twenty verses in the whole chapter, not twenty-one, twenty. But the the song of the gopis will begin in verse seven. So, and we'll end in verse 19. So some will say the Venu Gita is technically from verse 7 to 19. But the first six verses and the last one are giving some introduction and some conclusion. Conclusion. So generally our chair is called, every, the whole chapter of Venu Gita, the very chapter is called Venu Gita. So we will we'll start seeing them tomorrow. So we can finish here. Uh, I don't know if there are any questions that are extremely urgent and you won't be able to sleep properly tonight, so you have to present them. He has one, Zach. Uh, yeah. He wants Zach to have sweet dreams tonight, so present your question. So, um, I've been trying to slowly improve my knowledge. And I had a question always thinking about like, why so much emphasis is placed on the gopis and Krishna. Um, and what you said today I was like, making association with the gopis and the gopis. Could it be considered that I like Like the gopis are gopis trying, like representation of gopis trying to attain Krishna's right way of thinking. 
basically, I, I'll repeat briefly the question because maybe the ones here won't be hearing you. The, he was Saku was asking him in, if it's possible to think of us devotees or the devotees as rep being represented in the in the gopis or the gopis being representing the devotees in connection to the to what they represent and what the devotees should look after as devotees and so on. So we could say yes and no, of course. No, we can <laughs> we can mention that in certain things we can speak about the gopis surrender or, or as I mentioned now, like taking obstacles as something that will nourish one's hankering. And in that sense the go I'm speaking about that in the case of the gopis, but this is not limited to the gopis, of course. I mean, if you see everyone else in Vrindavan, <laughs> they are doing the same thing spontaneously. You know, whatever so-called obstacle is coming, that's just increasing their passion for Krishna. And of course, in, so in that sense, no, we are. It's not that every devotee is a gopi. Of course, again, we can compare, make some comparison. In that sense, we can speak as if they will be the same thing. One thing implies the other. If, if to be a gopi means to be nourished through obstacles, yes, that was is expected from a devotee. But that's not all that being a gopi is about. <laughs> so when we start to study more and to understand more, which is the psychology and, and the way in which the gopi gives herself in service to Krishna, that's not something that will be applied to each and every devotee because not necessarily every devotee will be inclined to serve Krishna in the mood of the gopis and as we mentioned before it's not that every devotee already has some particular affinity in an inherent way that you are from from factory you are already a gopi or something like that but that's something that you acquire through association which is, whether you are gopi or gopa, because mostly those are the two options in Vrindavan, everyone is gopi or gopa, <laughs> whether it's Madhurya, Sakya, Vatsalya, whatever, it's full of gopis and gopas. <laughs> so, uh, that has to be acquired. But, uh, but the foundation of all that is many of the things we spoke yesterday, or this notion also of dasya, of, of giving ourselves in service, and, and also, we, as, as we may emphasize gopis and Krishna, of course there is an emphasis in that. There are so many other emphasis, like you will see, for example, from these days when our Guru will speak about Brahma Mohan Lila, you will find another type of emphasis there, which is also beautiful and complementary. But also we emphasize Gaur Lila and what we as devotees, sadhakas, practitioners, have to embrace very overtly in the form of surrender and certain agati and submission uh, in, in a proper way, in an intelligent way, not like in a forced, uh, brain-dead way, but in a deep way, in order to eventually discover one's affinity, if you will, in Vrindavan. Because again, if, if you start to ask, ah, maybe I'm a gopi, maybe I'm a gopa, you may not have a clue. But for sure you know who you should be now as a practitioner, as a sadhaka, as a disciple, as a student. There are certain things that are expected from us. So it's nice to 
to have discipline in that sense, no? like to be introspective and look at ourselves and look how we can become a better devotee, and eventually all the other things will like come accordingly. You know? There's no even need to to think too much about that. So yeah, again, again, in certain ways we can see say every devotee is a gopi, but only in some things that that the gopis represent, but that other devotees also represent. So in that sense you can see also every devotee is a gopa, because you will see a gopa doing... <laughs> but in another sense you cannot say every devotee is a gopi nor a gopa, because every devotee <laughs> won't be all only that option. So, yeah, no, no rush. In time we will get further educated and, and all of us continue learning and, and, and every, all the things will fall into place. So. I hope you have sweet dreams tonight, Zach. <laughs> so, something else? Um, this day we will have also a Q&A once a week, so if there's place for that as well, but just in case there is something urgent. Okay, so we'll finish here, and we continue tomorrow. Tomorrow? Tomorrow we continue officially beginning with Sri Venu Gita Shalaya Gurudev Ki Jai Sri Man Mahaprabhu Ki Jai Sri Adinam Sankirtan Ki Jai Sri Sri Dauji Gopal Ji Ki Jai Grantara Sri Mat Bhagavatam Ki Jai Sri Venu Gita Ki Jai Gaur Bhakta Vindu Ki Jai Gaur Praman Ki Jai